Hello and welcome along to Women's Tennis Talk with me, Sue Thurl, and you... Sophie Amiak. Sophie, we're going to talk about the coaching carousel this time around in women's tennis, which has been spinning more and more frantically in the last 12 months or so. What do you think, to start this discussion off, about the number of coaches the modern-day player seems to want to go through in their search for the Holy Grail? I'm not sure I understand it, actually, because, you know, in my time, and, and that doesn't mean that it's right, but in my time, if we had two coaches in, in our whole career, that was a lot already. So I probably had one when I was growing up, one when I was, you know, until I was about 24, then and that one, that was it. I mean, and then Billy, because I was lucky and just happened. But uh, I think that it's difficult because, you know, every coach has obviously a new way of looking at how a player should or must play. And uh, I think the one thing that is in common that needs to be happening is really, it needs to really have this, not a, it's not friendship because you don't want that, but it, you have to have a connection. And if you don't have that connection, it doesn't matter how good the coach is. I think that's key. Um, and I do believe that coaching women is is very different than coaching a guy because I think there's a lot of uh, uh, the mentality of a woman, the sensibility of a woman. I mean, is uh, you really have to have the approach necessary to coach a woman. Not that a man cannot do that and have that approach towards a woman and vice versa. I just think that it's... It's different. I think women take a lot, a lot more things at heart. Uh, it's difficult to shake uh, losses. I think guys can shake losses, you know, easier. So, you know, all in all, I think it would be important to see the longevity of coaching more uh, in the tennis. I think right now, and uh, I'd love to see, of course, more women coach out there. Why aren't there more women coaches? I know Alexander Krunic, she used to work with Elise Tamayela, who's now working with Kiki Bett, and she's spoken often in the past about how she really enjoys having women coaches because they, she feels they understand her more and her game. Why aren't there more? Well, I think there are, there are a few things. I think, one, uh, a lot of women players who played on the tour, when they finish playing, some or most of them want to have a family, want to have children, so it's very difficult to combine the two. And even after you have children, you have a family, you see a, a Davenport who also has a job as a commentator, I mean, cannot really take the road for, you know, some 30 weeks, weeks and at a time. It's it's a lot, so it's a big demand. And you, know, and, you know, the other thing is, I think the players in their mind think that they might get something better with having a, a man coaching, which I understand for players who are lower ranked because they get a hitting partner with them and that costs money to have a hitting partner and a coach. Like if I was coaching tomorrow, I mean, I can't hit. I can't hit tennis ball with these players. I mean, not only physically because of my back, but because, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to. <laughs> I would probably go against the grain of, of them getting better if they hit with me because I don't have any power or anything. That, don't do no, yourself no, no. down, so. I'm, I'm, I, I see the reality. I'm, I'm clear about this. So that mm -hmm. means that for somebody who is not really making enough money, you have to hire a hitting partner or hit all the time with players out there, which... You know, if you want to bring your game up, you need to do both. And uh, so that costs more money. Uh, but, you know, the answer is difficult to find out. I'd like for women to see really and try to hire, you know, past players. And uh, I think that would help tremendously the game in many ways. 
I suppose we, we, we're going to talk about the coaching carousel and it has been a really frantic, not just an end to 2018 because the off-season so often a time of change in coaching comings and goings, but 2019 has seen so many of them so early in the season and never more marked was it than with Naomi Osaka parting company with Sasha Bain when she just won the Australian Open what and a shock. become the world number one. I mean, there are no guarantees. If, if that job isn't secure, then nobody's is. Oh, you're right. I mean, that was two back-to-back uh, major uh, for Osaka after the US Open and the Australian Open in 2019. And you would have thought, okay, well, this is going to be a long-term thing. And how many are they going to win together? And then when they, this was announced, I mean, I think it, it took everybody by surprise. I mean, we all, we all looked at each other and said, what? Why? And, uh, you know, a lot of people made assumption of stuff going on as far as money was an issue, which, you know, when I heard that, I'm like, money, listen, she has all the money in the world. I mean, if I think, he, you know, she would have paid him what he's worth. So until this day, I, I still don't understand it. You know, I, I'm sure there are other things. And again, you know, connection with a player. And if, if that connection is was there and then failed at some point, it, you know, it's pretty much over. It's almost, you know, you have to look at it a little bit as a marriage. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to think about that way, but you live with that person constantly, day in and day out. You see them more than your family, your parents, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whomever. You know, it's just very difficult. So you can only imagine if there is not that really clear rapport and, and true rapport, it's so difficult. And communication is so key, isn't it, as well? Because a coach has to fulfil so many roles, technical expertise, being able to manage emotions, positive ones, negative ones. And and when you think about the relationship, you, you have to be able to walk on the court, things happen on the court, then you walk away from the court and you reset and you go again. And it's hard, isn't it? It's hard for everybody concerned, and that's what makes it so complicated. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a crazy job. And then think about the relationship of a parent coaching. I mean, which is, you know, we're going to talk about, for example, uh, Garcia. I mean, Caroline Garcia has been coached by her dad f- since she was playing. I mean, she had a coach right before the age of 17, I think, for two or three years. But since then, it's been all Louis Paul Garcia, who's done tremendous job with her and right now you look at her and this is not the first time I say it but I mean I believe that it wouldn't be bad to have a second person maybe an ex-player to be next to her and uh, helping out I mean I think that you know you can only take somebody so far with the experience that you have and his experience has never been to play in front of you know 15 10,000 people on the center court and what does it feel and also I think you know there's a lack of technique that can be worked on I mean there's you know it's never over for a player to get better not only physically but technically uh, and tactically so I think that she would really uh, I think uh, by getting help from someone who has been in the business and in tennis you know as a high-level tennis player that would that would help well, one of the motivations for changing coach, I guess, is a thought that maybe the grass is greener elsewhere, that someone else can bring you something that you don't quite have or refine something that needs a little bit of tweaking. I think of Yelena Ostapenko as somebody who's gone back to her mum, Yelena Yakoleva, after spells with David Taylor, with Glenn Schaff as well, which didn't seem to work particularly successfully. And she has returned to working with her mum again because she says, no one knows me better than she does. She's been there from day one, quite literally. Yeah, I mean, you you know, you look at her tennis. I mean, she has 
done one thing really big and it's huge, winning the French Open, and that was uh, under the tutelage of Annabelle uh, Medina Garrigas from uh, a Spanish, you know, ex-player. And, uh, you know, I think that it wouldn't be a bad idea to maybe try to get her back because that's when she played the best. But, you know, she's back with her mother, but it seems like to me in the last two or three years, Ostapenko, with what she went through after winning the French Open, which was pretty much a slump. I mean, she hasn't played really her tennis and what she's done, you know, at the French Open. She has not even come close to close to repeating that. Uh, I think she learned a few things about herself. I think she um, might be a better person today, a little bit uh, growing up and mature. I think she was just so young winning this title. Uh, not sure if she even realized anything until maybe now. And uh, going back to her mother, well, why not? But I still think that her mother was not, you know, in the situation of being that great of a player to understand the need and uh, how to really drive a career with uh, with little knowledge in tennis. We've seen a few players as well who've had lots of coaches in quite a short space of time. I'm thinking of Madison Keys, who. Um, has had issues with injuries in the last few years which have rather hindered her progress because we've always spoken about her or a lot of people have as a future world number one and a Grand Slam champion. Finally parting company with Lindsay Davenport just because time was an issue for Lindsay she couldn't commit perhaps as much as Madison would have wanted or so we're told and then um, she had spells with David Taylor and then Jim Madrigal was brought in in the close season and, and we thought that would be a fresh start but then she's been working with Juan Todero again in Charleston so there is a player who's still looking for that magic ingredient yeah and it's also you know finding out as you as you know is who's available because you know a lot of them who are out there are already busy with other players and uh, so uh, it's becoming hard to also find you know the needs that you have I mean I, I mean what do you think about that Quantodero for him coming back I mean not bad idea, a well, good idea. Well, I, I, I suppose in, in certain situations, and it's the same with Ostapenko, I guess, as well, you go back to something that feels comfortable, someone who knows your game really well. You don't have to start from scratch. There's a relationship already there. I guess it depends yeah, on... Yeah, there's experience too. Of right. course. Yeah. It depends on how it, it ended first time around, obviously, amicably. Yeah, um, I mean, he was with uh, with Puig, Monica Puig, for a long time. Mm. So one to there was a family of coaches. I mean, his father has worked with the... Uh, with Mikhail for a long time and he's worked also for the uh, USTA also so yeah I mean I think you know in, in all it's it, it's kind of a game you know that's going on with that's what we call it's it it's like musical coach. chairs that's right it? that's what we call it the coaching carousel <laughs> uh, but you know there are also some that we can mention to that level is what's going on with Kazetkina right now that's a good question. Well, we saw her in Miami look a little bit lost when she was beaten in Miami and fairly comfortably as well by Venus Williams, who, who has had injury issues herself this year. But she dismantled Kazakina, who just, we talked about it afterwards and on air, she just looked a little bit lost, didn't she? Like she needed to reset and start all over again. Yeah, she looks like she's lost a little bit of mojo. I mean, I don't think that so. she's in the great shape that she was uh, when she, about a year ago when she was in the final of Indian Wells. I think that getting rid of her coach, uh, De Haas, yeah, was uh, was a mistake, I think, because I think he was uh, he really helped her tremendously. I mean, he was like... Well, we saw in Moscow, didn't we, when he that coaching intervention from him in the final where it looked like all was The Russian away. wall. The Russian wall. <laughs> I mean, that was an, an inspired intervention, wasn't it? It just goes to show the power of... 
of saying the right things at the right time and what can happen as a yeah, result. For those of you who don't know what the Russian wall was, I mean, in the middle of the match, he came in at some point when she called him on the court and he said, do you know what the Chinese wall is? And she goes, yes, like looking at him like with like four eyes. And he goes, well, you're going to be the Russian walls. <laughs> and that was all over the wire. I mean, it was uh, it was a pretty impressive. And by the way, she came back and won the match. So. Actually, and really impressively and, yeah, from yeah. from a perilous position. So I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, I saw them when I was at the WTA finals in Singapore and they seem to have still, you know, very good, uh, very good uh, association. And uh, she was an alternate there and the. Uh, then went to Zhuhai to play in the Elite Trophy. But, uh, you know, I'm not sure really. And now she's really working solely with her, her brother. Um, not sure what's going on, but she needs also guidance. I mean, obviously, as you mentioned, she looks a bit lost. Elise Mertens is another player who's had a lot of coaches in the last 12 months. Started last year in Hobart with Robbie Sessions and then Rick Vlieschauers took over for a, a little while. He's also from the Kim Kleisters Academy in Belgium. And then during the late summer, she went with Dieter Kindleman, who is a very experienced, very well-known coach that we've seen a lot of in women's tennis. That relationship didn't last a huge amount of time. Then David Taylor came on board, again, another very experienced at the top level coach. Uh, and now David Taylor has moved on to different things at Tennis Australia. So he's now gone. He's with Daria Gavrilova, isn't he, amongst uh, other responsibilities with Tennis Australia. So she's gone all the way back again to Robbie Sessions. So it's again that circle. Oh, he's her boyfriend, right? Yeah, I, I believe. I, I believe not so. Sure. Yeah, mm. not sure. Don't take that uh, too personally <laughs> if that's not true, uh, Elise. But anyway, yeah. in, in any way, in any case, I think she wins the prize. Four coaches in one year. Yeah. yeah I think we're going to give her a prize for that because not easy and, and playing well. And playing Mind brilliantly. <laughs> That's what's amazing. She won three titles last year. I mean, maybe she should just keep on that rhythm. Hey, let's change every six weeks. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's working <laughs> when you think of it. But uh, true, very, uh, very strange. And, um, well, apparently uh, she's going to stick with what she has right now, and we'll see where that leads her. But uh, And Kindleman's been working with Isla Tomjanovic. Right, which, hello, again, let's change and switch uh, player. I mean, why not? I mean, I, listen, they, they all... You know, obviously, going to have a job within tennis. Not like they're going to disappear unless they're fed up and done with tennis. But once you're in, and especially if you've been having some results, you know that somewhere along the line you're going to be rehired by other players. Let's talk about uh, somebody named uh, Wim Fisset. <laughs> talk about somebody who's been around and uh, moving around with different players. How many did he coach so far, Wim Fisset? A lot, right? A lot. A lot. I would think that. Uh, he had, uh, oh, if I think about Wimfiset, I'm going to look quickly, but I'm pretty sure that he had, well, we know of Kanta, Azarenka, Simona Halep, Sabine Lesiki, King Kleisters, Angelique Kerber, and guess what? He's back with Azarenka. Um, listen, the, she played the best with him, I believe, so I think right now at the end of a career, well, at the end, towards the tail end of a career, don't you think it's maybe a right move? Not sure what she has left, but uh, she's still in there. Kiki Mladenovic. Wow. So what, what do you think? She doesn't have a coach right now. Her mum's been a very important... Well, her parents well, her mom, stop. Her mum is her her coach. Mom is a coach. Correct. So does she need somebody else? And if so, who might that be? And, and what do you think about players who do choke? I mean, Simona Halep's another great example. We haven't even talked about her. Parting company with Darren Cahill and trying to go solo at the start of... 2019 and saying she wasn't going to hire a coach until the clay court season and now she does have Dobre there um, she's found it tough hasn't she well looking at her and, and really the time that Dobre has been 
coming on the court in uh, in Miami, I was not very impressed. I mean, I don't understand obviously Romanian, but I have to say that you know you can tell of the dynamic and and I think she has the main problem right now is confidence. Uh, not forgetting Thierry Van Cleenputs. Yeah, brief. Which, what two weeks? Yeah, yeah. That was that was very short. But I mean, she looks to me that mentally she's she's not there. She's not willing to go through through the process. And I, I think mentally was where Darren Cahill and her had problems two years ago in Miami mm. when they almost well they they he left. They, he yes. actually said this is it uh, unless you change your mentality and. And I think that worked. That gave her such a shock because she definitely is uh, thinking that and knows that Darren was a really amazing influence for her. And eventually they came back together and what? She won French Open, first major. Um, you have to think that she's definitely missing that uh, coaching relationship. But even for a guy, look, it's hard too. He's missing his family. I think that's you know the main reason for him not to follow. So I'm not sure about the Danielle Dobrey. I don't know. You know, I wish I could understand Romanian to tell, but I think right now it's all about mental toughness and being mentally ready to go to the battle. And if that doesn't change, I don't see her doing really well on clay and especially the French Open to defend her title. That's going to be a tough one. Well, yeah, because we've spoken about this, haven't we? The French Open is wide open this year. Um, Kiki Bertens is someone we discussed. We touched on a little bit earlier, Elise Tamayela, bringing Elise on board in Kiki's team. Well, she uh, she appeared at Miami last year and helped her out, didn't she? And at Charleston also. Well, she won Charleston last year, Kiki Bertens, under under uh, Tamayela. And, and she so. played really well in Miami, lost a really tight three-set match. I remember commentating on it. It was an epic contest with Venus Williams. And it was only because as the match headed towards the three-hour mark, she just started to cramp up a little bit. But she couldn't get over the finish line. But Which Tamayela is amazing was there. That- we saying this when she's playing as Venus Williams, who is what 100 years old, and she's the one grabbing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, this is amazing. It is what's going on. I mean, uh, we could we could probably do a podcast for like 10 hours on Serena. Oh, 10 hours won't be enough on yeah. Serena and Venus, and going what? I, know. I mean, how is that possible? But they are still here. But you're right. But they were. She's working with Raymond Slater, who's yeah. been there for a long time, and they have a great relationship. Talk so about connection. Mm. Oh, I think they have a great connection, the two of them. I mean, but couple years ago when they ended I think 2017 I mean she was like in a disarray thinking that you know every match was like a, a life or death situation and uh, he really looked at her and said you're going on vacation and you know you need to kind of like figure out how you're going to handle because you are so unhappy uh, there's no point of you being unhappy every week and uh, and I think that you know that really she started writing stuff on paper and uh, came back with really goals and and a total different attitude got in better shape well he uh, gave her responsibility yeah, didn't he? Totally. he said okay if you don't want to do what i'm asking you to do pre-season wise go away and think about what you would like to do and that and the change was immediate and extraordinary yeah it's all about communication and connection i think uh when you have somebody who is a coach who he or she knows what tennis and what women's tennis is about I think that comes and boils down to that so who would you look at now currently who is in great shape with the coach that they have and who would you look at currently and think oh maybe they need a change what names would you pick out on either side of that fence well I think Bertens is probably although she's having a tough time right now but I think that he is a good choice you know Uh, I like David Taylor going with 
Gavrilova. That's going to be interesting to see how that uh, that goes and uh, that takes shape. Um, I I have to wait until Osaka really with now our new coach, uh, German Jenkins. You know, sees what really happens. I'm not sure about you know when I hear. Uh, I mean, I th I feel like he knows the game. I feel like he's you know he's helping her. I I just have to see long term. Um, I like, um, well, we haven't talked about Kamau Murray now with uh, Monica, Puig. Monica Puig, which I think for Stevens was, was an, another shock for me. Uh, you felt it in the WTA finals because he wasn't there, and that's probably the biggest tournament after Grand Slam, you know, at least the biggest tournament on the WTA tour. And he wasn't there, and she was saying that he had something to do in his academy, and uh, supposedly the president, ex president, uh, of the United States, Obama or Obama's or somebody, the Clinton. No, it was the Clinton daughter was supposed to come and visit the academy in Chicago. That he couldn't be here. They knew that all along. But you know, you've got to really think about really. I mean, this is the biggest tournament on the WTA tour, and you're not here after what you went through. You know, as as uh, you know, an association together. And so she made the final, and who knows? You know. Yeah, strange, strange, yeah. very strange. So anyway, mm. she parted with him, and uh, not sure why. I'm not sure if it was mutual feeling, but you know those are the things that we probably will never hear. But I think it was a great influence on her and uh, what they have achieved and connect. Talk about connection, and I mean I thought that was great. So um, you know it's hard to tell who's you know I mean you look at Muguruza who's like not playing very well, who's still in the same uh, coaching with uh, Sam Sumik, and the best coaching that she probably had is. Well, besides the fact that they did win the French Open together, it's Conchita Martinez at Wimbledon, but that didn't continue. And talking and speaking about Conchita, how about the Pliskova. association with uh, Pliskova and uh, Conchita and, uh, and Stubbs? Stubbs yeah. yeah. What do you think about that one? I think it's brilliant. I think that Karolina Pliskova is one of those players who has come so close to a Grand Slam title, and she clearly understands that there's maybe a missing piece or two to the jigsaw and she's looking for different ways to try and fill that now with Panchita on board and what she did with Muguruza. She encouraged her to come forward, didn't she, at Wimbledon and come to the net more and volley it. Oh, grass, you have to anyway. But I think in the modern game now, coming forward and being able to finish off points at the net quickly is the secret ingredient for everybody. Well, it's it's sure worked for uh, for uh, Muguruza when she was at the uh, Wimbledon. But, mm. you know, it's... Uh, you know, we could talk about the, oh, we didn't talk about Madinovic enough. Let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I think Kiki needs definitely to have a coach, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, I I do believe that uh, our mom is a very nice person, and she knows sport. She's been herself a very high level in uh, volleyball, but this mm -hmm. is a different sport, and I really do believe that she needs to have somebody uh, of experience who knows her tennis, who believes in her tennis, because that's huge. Because this is another part. You know, if you're a coach and you just hired to. Uh, be right there but you don't have a true untold belief in your player then there's no point either but uh, you know we could be here talking about coaches forever and uh, well here's a question for you so because we've talked about so many players and so many coaches that have come and gone some have stayed some who haven't and then when you look at the very 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 top of the game you look at Serena and you look at Venus also and I know that Venus has just parted company after a long long time with David Witt but Serena has just had, what, two coaches her whole life? Her father and, and Patrick, yeah. So, 
you something look at that, must be working, right? Absolutely. I mean, I think she's done all right, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> Not too bad. Yeah, and I mean, talk about Venus. I mean, even if she doesn't have a coach for the rest of her career, I mean, Venus, I think, knows you know, right and left and up and down about how to play tennis and uh, how to be and uh, what to do and how to prepare. I mean, this, uh, these players have been there and done that so many times. But I think, you know, and they have a support team around them between the family, their agent or it's, you know, boyfriends. I mean, I think it's definitely there. So it helps. But when you're older, it's, you know, it's not really as important. I think it's much more important from the age of, you know, 17, when you first start on the tour, 17, 18, you have to have somebody who knows how it works because it's huge, it's important. Um, so any young players or male or female who's never really done that, been there and been there on the tour, I wouldn't even go there. I mean, you need somebody who has uh, some, some knowledge of how the tour works uh, just to prepare yourself, to prepare to, to have the least amount of surprises and to come uh, with the, the cleaner, cleanest and, and blank head about only playing tennis and not thinking about anything else. Um, and after that, from the age of you know, 19, 20 to 25, 26, there's so much work that you can achieve as a player, of, you know, changing or, or getting your game to be better technically, uh, physically. I mean, it's so physical right now. Um, so anyway, we'll, you know, time will tell about all those coaches, but uh, it's always interesting to uh, gravitate and see what's going on on the coaching carousel. Well, plenty is the answer, and plenty's been going on this year as well uh, at the carousel in terms of titles. An absolutely extraordinary start to the season. And we're going to pick over the bones of the season in our next podcast, so aren't we? We're going to look at the start to the year and all of the titles which have gone in every different direction and, and who we think has been outstanding. But we'll particularly focus on the Sunshine Double and have a look at the Middle Eastern swing as well as we begin to think about the European clay court season and beyond. Uh, that is to come. Hope you've enjoyed the chat this time around. We've enjoyed your company. Thank you so much from me, Sue And Sophie Amiak. We say au revoir. À bientôt.